real chills. Real scary. Real silly. Real stories. Hey everybody, welcome to Real Chills. Super excited for our guest today. Give it up for Josh Matches. Thanks for having me. The first story I have is about summer camp. And at this summer camp, I I think it's pretty typical of a lot of summer camps in that the summer camp is basically run by children. Like teenagers are (laughs) in charge of people that are just five years younger than them, essentially. (laughs) Uh, So there were dangerous things happening all the time at this summer camp. Uh, and of course, also typical of summer camps, um, there were all sorts of ghost stories. Um, I'm sure none of them were true. But that being said, I, I'm pretty surprised that not more children have died at this camp. <laughs> like, I remember one instance in particular where I was doing the sailing program at the camp And they would uh, take us, it was on the Chesapeake Bay, and they would take us to uh, different parts of the Chesapeake Bay to do races. And so we were doing this regatta across the bay. And then on the way back, there was an enormous storm, like the, one of the biggest storms I've ever seen. And we were on the water and we had to be on the water for like three more hours to get, to get packed to camp. Oh, wow. It was... I mean, I was like 12, so this was the most exciting thing I've ever done, even though I'm sure uh, there was a good chance I was going to (laughs) die. But of course, we all thought we were invincible because we were all children and the teenagers were running it. So they all thought they were invincible, too, and nothing was going to go wrong. Fortunately, nothing (laughs) went wrong. In any case, uh, you know, lots of letting children run wild through the woods and stuff like that. So at this camp, one of the stories was a story that was just common throughout the world, the lady in white story. Mm -hmm. And I happened to be, there was a pool party and I was just sitting by myself because I hate parties (laughs) at the corner of the pool, just kind of looking into the woods. And I saw a glowing white figure in the woods I don't know if it was a lady or a man. It was just a human looking figure that was glowing, walking through the woods. I didn't feel threatened or anything, but yeah, wouldn't this camp was really old. I would not be surprised if it was just child that died at the camp. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, that was story number one. So the second story, when I was in my twenties, I loved hallucinogenic drugs. And now that I'm (laughs) in my thirties, I love hallucinogenic drugs (laughs) and this one time I took mushrooms and I've always been afraid of mushrooms even though I've taken them like a hundred (laughs) times and so I went to a concert at the World Cafe Live and it was great The, the trip was going great and right at the end of the concert I remember talking to my friend I was still pretty lucid at this point this is hours into the trip and usually mushrooms you get to this point and you start to kind of come down a little bit Mm. but this was hours into the trip and I'm talking to my friend and his girlfriend at the time and I start to throw up 
Like I, I didn't throw up, but I was like feeling it. And I was literally about to throw up on my friend's girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> and I keep it in my mouth and I just <laughs> run to the bathroom, throw up all over the, the World Cafe Live bathroom. Uh-huh. I'm like, all right, I feel okay now. I'm going to go back out to the showroom. And I take one look at the showroom and see all my friends talking. And I'm like, I can't, I can't talk to them. (laughs) 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 Now my trip is just like going further than any trip I've ever had in my life. So I walk outside. And after that point, I lost about 30 minutes. I don't remember anything for about 30 minutes. Wow. And the next thing I remember is being in the car. My friend was driving, but I, I didn't remember who I was. I didn't remember who my friend was. There was also somebody or something in the back that was a sentient being. <gasps> didn't know who that was. And I remember trying to figure out who I was. But then in my mind, I would be like we're going to turn right. And then the car would turn right. And then, you know, I would think we're going to turn left and the car would turn left. And then I would think the thing in the back is going to make a noise. And then there would be a noise from the back. And then we parked the car and we were just sitting there for a while, still trying to figure out who I am, who these people are. And I would think a black cat is going to cross the road. Sure enough, a black cat crossed the road. And I would think a person's going to come up to the car and say something to us. And sure enough, a person came up to the car and said something to us. All the while, I'm like, I, you know, I figured out what my name was, (laughs) that I was going to Temple University at the time, that I had parents that that gave birth to me, that the person in my, in the back was actually my roommate. It was terrifying, but also uh, pretty amazing that I had ESP for probably about an hour. Mm. I wish I had learned something more profound from the ESP. <laughs> but all I learned was uh, that we were going to make rights and lefts in a car. <laughs> okay, so a third story. I was uh, visiting my friend's house uh, recently, and she mentioned that uh, earlier in the, in the day, there had been a clairvoyant uh, at, at this uh, thing as well, at this event as well. And she started talking about different things that the clairvoyant had told her uh, in the past that kind of like freaked her out, like, oh, this is, this is for real. And one of the things was that um, her brother had died recently her brother was this like great poet, but, you know, had some issues uh, with substance and abuse and whatnot. She had inherited from her brother, this great ancient uh, Chinese art collection that ranged from about the 1300s through the 1700s. Wow. And It was his, you know, dying wish for her to keep this in her house because she had, you know, the space to keep it. 
because they some of these things were like giant tapestries that um and she had really high ceilings that she could hang and she you know her brother knew that she liked the collection and whatnot but it wasn't in the will or anything it was just he told her in an email so when he died all of the other siblings knew about this collection they're like i guess we should sell it you know it's probably really valuable it's really you know a lot of really rare stuff and she felt a little conflicted about it but she was on board with selling it because she knew that her you know some of her siblings could have used the money but the clairvoyant said that she heard a message from a family member while she was in the house saying don't get rid of anything old or don't change anything old and they were doing renovations on the house and she was like what could you know that voice be talking about you know like the staircase like it's an old house from from the 1800s mm-hmm. you know is is he saying don't change the house and her husband was like he doesn't care about the staircase like he's talking about the asian art collection <laughs> don't you know i think we shouldn't get rid of this art collection like i think we need to tell your siblings and sure enough she told her siblings and her siblings were like, we totally understand, like, you know, we don't want to mess with his final wishes, especially if he's a ghost and telling you yeah. <laughs> not to get rid of this stuff. This is obviously important to him even after death. So, you know, and then even, you know, during COVID time, she was nice enough to like, let me, you know, put on a mask and come into her house. And I think it's the only home I've been in since COVID started. Mm-hmm. And I got to see this really cool ancient Chinese art collection. Wow. That's awesome. Those are so different. Those are such different stories. They're super interesting. (laughs) It's almost like a lot to take in, like all the different stories. I have so many questions. Do you want to start this time, Alice? Yeah, let's start with the art collection because that's super interesting. I love that you said we don't want to mess with his wishes, even if he's a ghost. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know lots of families that were just like, they wouldn't listen to you when you're alive. They're not going to listen to you when you're <laughs> dead. Like, <laughs> that's, super interesting. that's super interesting. So what was a memorable thing that you noticed or a piece that you remember from what you saw of the collection? Um, well, the most impressive ones were these, these, I guess you call them tapestries. They were like probably about eight or nine feet tall. I think those are the ones from the 1300s. Wow. And there were three of them and they were just different kind of scenes in nature and scenes of kind of everyday life in China at the time and whatever the village was that people were were making these prints Mm -hmm. um, or tapestries. And then there was this cool drawing instruction manual that she had. And she had one of the originals of which when she looked it up, I believe there are three in the United States. Um, I believe that was from the late 1600s, early 1700s. And it's actually a famous manual that has been reprinted like you can get a modern version of this manual mm-hmm. so it's actually really famous but these are the original prints like the first the first oh, edition that were amazing. actually hand stamped and uh yeah it was really cool 
Did she mention where her brother got these artifacts from? Is it just because he's like an artsy poet guy or was it in the family? He, yeah, he just collected them. He was a collector. Hey. Wow. Um, wow. I think she even used the word hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> well, no wonder he didn't want anything changed. That's like the number yeah. one rule of hoarders. Yeah. Yeah, Don't right. touch my stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd be mad if my brother, is he her older brother or little brother? Did you mention I think I think he was the older brother. Yeah, I'd be like if if like anybody that I knew died and their only message is don't sell my stuff, I'd be mad at them. I'd be like, give me some profound like, what is it like? You know what I mean? Instead of being like, oh, I'm okay, and Grandma's here. He's like, don't get rid of that vase. I'll kill you. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, bud. Well, thanks for nothing. Well, no, okay. That's, this is a really, really great story and it's so cool. And I'm glad that her family was so cool about it. Cause normally like, I feel like when it comes to like money and think, cause that's what it kind of comes down to. It, it can get tricky with families when someone passes away. So mm -hmm. it kind of really like is a testament to their family and their closeness that like she heard this from a sibling, even, even if he is a ghost, like you said, and everyone else was like, ah, that's weird, but I'm, I trust you. Like it's, it's your decision. Like, that's a really nice, that's nice also. Yeah. Like, I love you, but what you're saying basically is like, that's nice for their family. My siblings, what assholes. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, I think they'd be cool about it, but I feel like it would be like, I'd have to fight them. I would like, also feel, it's, it's like that tricky line too, right? Cause I know like, well, part of it's that nobody in my family is like a fancy art collector. So maybe I would feel differently if they had something that was like really old or like super sentimental or something like that. But if my mom was seriously just like, like her ghost was like, don't get rid of the, the souvenir glasses we got from Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville <laughs> in North Carolina. I would be like, I don't want to keep your trash. Please. <laughs> That's exactly how I was feeling too, is like, cause it sounds like it's a big collection. It's like, if, if they even did that to me and Dan right now, we have nowhere to put anything. So it would just be like such a burden. Well, be like, you have room for your ashes, let alone yeah. your We had to make a spot for your ashes and now you're making us find spots for it. Okay. It'd be like, uh, It'd be like my brothers being like, make sure you keep this Ikea furniture. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I want to know like why it's so important. Has she ever like looked into it or is it, do you think it's just like sentimental for him? Maybe. I think, yeah, I think it must've been sentimental for him because he just loved Asian art. It was just mm -hmm. a passion of his yeah. and he probably traveled around the world to find this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's really sweet, actually. So the clairvoyant, did they know? Did this person just come up to her and was like, oh, hey, by the way, or is it yeah, someone believe, they knew who just like has this ability? I believe, I mean, uh, she's known this person for a long time. So I believe she just would occasionally just ask her like any messages for me. Oh, that's nice. That's yeah. sweet. I want that person in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Any messages? She's like a little voice. Ghost I don't voice even mail. check my voicemails. Yeah, like, I, I read the, I read the transcription of the voicemail. Like, yeah, I, mean, I hate voicemails. Yeah, I have ten thousand unread emails. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh -huh. Nightmare. Yeah. I wonder if there's like clairvoyants that are like that. Like either they have a completely empty message box for their friends and family, or they're like there's like 10,000 ghost messages they're just ignoring. Yeah. 
I mean, I feel like you might have to, right? Like if you don't have the mental space to like pass on all those messages or if some of them are like not, <laughs> if you deem them not super important, right? You're like, listen, yeah. like, I know you don't like, your son's wife but you're dead get over it it's yeah <laughs> like, it's too late for any yeah. intervention <laughs> yeah that's so cool I've been wanting to see a medium because we saw a psychic but there's like a big difference because like psychics kind of tell your future your potential future where like mediums are like they they tell you who's still around from your like loved ones that pass away and stuff so that's kind of cool if anyone, I guess. Would you be really bummed if either of you went to a medium and they're like, don't got nothing for you? <laughs> <laughs> or would you be like relieved? Like everyone in your life is at peace. Like how would you take that if you went to a medium and they're like, I don't, I don't have anything for you. This is probably messed up, but I think I'd be bummed because I paid money for nothing. <laughs> like it's not like a, an emotional, it's like I paid $50 and not one of you could say something before you left. Like they don't have to still be there, but I would like like a postcard from wherever. Like I'm the ghost one in the family. You can't do anything for me, but that's fine. You're like, Meg, we have nothing for you, but your sister sent her along. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Are you Amanda? No. All right. Great. What about you, Josh? Yeah, I'd be more upset about the losing my money part, I think. Mm -hmm. Give them bad Yelp review. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like if I didn't have anything, I think I'd be okay with that. I think I'd be more upset if I had something specific. Because number one, if you're going to give me a quest or a task, like I already got shit to do. Like I don't yeah. want to do your jobs for you. <laughs> and then two, like I'm just kind of like, I don't know what would need to be said to me. I mean, like... If there's any family skeletons or something, like, I'm okay with those being buried. I think we're all cool right now. Like, we don't have any problems, like, in that department. I'm super needy, so I feel like for me, I don't want a quest. I want a, everything is okay. I'm yeah. okay. You're okay. Death is okay. Like. Yeah, but what if they gave you a part-time job? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. they're like, like, I was, uh, like, murdered or, like. This Take person, my shift like, at Wendy's. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or that. Like, <laughs> I told my sister that when I die, this is really evil. I told her that if anyone who is mean to me comments like they miss me on my Facebook, to be like, "This is a ghost of Meg. You were always a bitch," and she said she wouldn't. <laughs> so I was like, "All right, you're a bad sister." <laughs> I like how that's your that's the line for you. I just think it'd be really funny for her to pretend like, like, not just like, oh, this is the person running Meg. Like if they were just like, this is Meg's ghost and here's, <laughs> here's how it goes. Yeah. I don't know. I have questions. Josh, have you ever done mushrooms since? Yeah, I actually did mushrooms a couple of weeks ago. Oh, dang. Have you had ESP experiences since, or was this a one-time thing? This was a one-time thing. Huh. I think, Interesting. I think there's an old, I don't know, urban legend that if you drink orange juice when you take mushrooms it really enhances your trip whoa and i took i did drink orange juice on this occasion it might have been the or like on accident like you had it no intention intentionally ah. i don't know that i took way more mushrooms than i normally do but i i'm sure it was a heavy dose of mushrooms but the one variable was that i took I drank orange juice specifically to enhance the the mushrooms. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Pro tip. And what is like what is being on mushrooms like? What's that experience like? Well, you're basically giving yourself food poisoning. 
Oh God. Okay. <laughs> and the the hallucination is a side effect of that food poisoning. So you feel sick the whole time. I wouldn't say the whole time, but I have thrown up on more than one occasion. Oh uh, wow. Yeah, um, your body wants it out of you. Yeah. Right. But even if you throw up, you're not getting like the toxins are already in your bloodstream. Oh, okay. So even if you throw up, it's like I said, I threw up that time and it it I was tripping way harder after I threw up. So mm. that's so interesting because like I'm I definitely have a weak stomach, so I feel like there's no way. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think I can do mushrooms. Like I hate that feeling. I hate that like nauseous feeling. I've taken mushrooms twice. I took once when I was like home for like a spring break or something from college with mm. some like high school friends. And that was like a wild trip because I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that I thought I wasn't getting high. I didn't realize it was just like not like it kind of you have a little plateau. And then I got really high after that. Oh, wow. So I like got, I smoked weed. I was like, I just got a little high from mushrooms. I want to smoke all this weed, which I'm really sensitive to also. So I got crazy high. That was like, but I remember the digestive thing. I didn't throw up, but I had like stomach issues because my body was like having a hard time digesting because of the food poisoning aspect. And then I tried to, like I tried a small amount of microdosing a couple years ago just to see like if it would help. I know you're supposed to do it more to like actually see, but I was just like, what is a small amount like? And mm-hmm. I was just like, substances are not really for me. <laughs> so yeah. I decided, but same deal. Yeah. I took a small amount and I still like had a stomach ache. So yeah, I don't know if I want to have a stomach ache, I'll just eat lactose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Enjoy more. Yeah. I don't really have any of the fun stuff. I've not done. Only drug I've done is pot, but I've never had like a fun experience. Well, the one time I was at a house party and this was the first time I've ever done pot in my life. And I'm sitting on a love sack. Do you guys know what a love sack is? Those giant mm-hmm. beanbag chairs. It's that a are fancy. human. Yeah. It's a humongous love sack. So I'm sitting in this love sack and I'm like, I can't talk. I'm so high. I'm like, talk, talk, go on, just say words and nothing is coming out. And Animal House is on the TV. Mm-hmm. And I would swear, I, I remember watching it and the scene would happen. And then the scene would start over. And it seemed like the scene just kept happening over and over again. And I looked around <laughs> at everybody and no one else was reacting to it. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> it was the craziest experience ever. But that was the only time. I do wonder, because like a lot of it is just like what happens internally to our brains when we're poisoning ourselves <laughs> but also yeah. like with what you experienced Josh like it was so specific and like even if the effects were enhanced like one of the things I find interesting is people who when they do drugs it's also hard to tell like is it your mind just like making up stuff or like tapping into weird things or are you like actually tapping into like another part of reality that we can't like be a part of other times so I find that super interesting like when you said that there was a sentient being in the back with seat with you, like, oh, I just want to know more about that. <laughs> yeah. What that made me think of is like how like the thought that we're all just one big conscience. It almost feels like you went back to the collective unconscious Ooh. viewpoint. That's what it felt like. Well, that that's the thing. There actually was a person back there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay, there was like I, a human person and you just didn't know, yeah. or you thought there was like a being of energy that was not a human. I don't think I knew what a human was anymore. Ah, okay. 
like I had complete ego loss on that yeah. trip. So when my consciousness came back, cause I had blacked out for probably 30 minutes, like the show was at world cafe. So we we're in West Philly. And the next thing I remember was being at like 12th and spring garden. So mm-hmm. that's 20 minutes there that 20 or 30 minutes there that I don't have any recollection of. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, I, I just did not have, I didn't remember anything, what reality was at all. So, I mean, the person in the back was my roommate. So I was correct that there was a sentient uh, okay. being. So there a was a being. person, I took it more as like, you were just like tapping into like another energy that was like present with you, but <laughs> it was a person. Got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know enough about this. So I'm sure people who do know more about this and you might know more about this than I do, Josh, like they're probably going to be screaming at their podcast players at us but (laughs) like so I always find it interesting when people talk about like the like doing the hero's journey or taking like the hero's dose on like mushrooms or other types of substances where you do like intentionally seek that like ego death like interesting like it sounds like you weren't particularly seeking that at that time but you did have to like relearn how to be a part of civilization or what that meant in that time and that's super interesting do you feel like you were significantly changed like forever after that? Or do you feel like it was just like a really weird trip? Uh, it certainly made me not want to take mushrooms anymore. <laughs> <laughs> For a while until a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it just showed me we don't perceive everything with our conscious mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's alternate realities or if there's just energy around us. Um, at all time that we're just not really perceiving unless our uh, third eye is open, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think, I think that really, you know, hallucinogens, the old, the old adage uh, from Aldous Huxley is true that opening the doors of perception. um, You know, I think I've learned a little something about the universe every time I've taken it. Yeah. Nice. Which is why I, I'll, I'll keep probably, you know, acid doesn't scare me, but I'll, I'll still continue to take mushrooms, even though they scare me yeah. throughout my yeah. life. Nice. You know, and there's also the old story of oracles in ancient times kind of being community leaders and whatnot and people really believing what they say. But what they were doing was just huffing fumes in caves. <laughs> they were really... <laughs> just getting fucked up and and people just took whatever they saw in their hallucinations as truth wow wow that's so interesting yes there's there's something to it well it's it's hard to know exactly what is real from that and what is just a hallucination too but as you know as an artist those hallucinations can can lead to create at least you know even if it's not real what we're seeing they can lead to creative breakthroughs too i think yeah. yeah, for sure. Because it kind of puts you in a different point of view than than if you feel stuck in, a, in one for a while or like in a rut. Yeah. Huh. We've definitely talked about ayahuasca like on this show before and like um, shamanic uses of like ayahuasca a little bit. But like, have is that something that you've ever been interested in trying or have you ever like done an ayahuasca process or trip? My friend asks me about once a month to go do ayahuasca <laughs> with her. And my answer every time is I don't 
want to be throwing up in a room where everybody else is also throwing up. Oh, that's <laughs> you know, like if I wanted to be throwing up, I would just eat some mushrooms. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good point. Yeah. That's fair. Maybe someday. I mean, now that maybe you know, if you can do a Zoom ayahuasca, you would technically not be in the same room. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's the next phase, right? I'm really interested about how nonchalant you were with the um with the glowing figure in the woods. Yeah. Like you were just kind of like I and I saw it. Like did you how did you feel after that? Do you remember like feeling freaked out or were you just kind of like oh well? <laughs> I think because there were so many other people around, I didn't feel in danger. Like there was a fence that was blocking the pool from the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't it didn't feel like the glowing figure was going to come into this place where there were like 50 children. So I yeah, I just I don't know, I just uh didn't think that much of it. It didn't Yeah, I didn't interact with it at all. I just kind of saw it and then it it went away. Wow. So, yeah. I also glad Sorry, I was just gonna say I also loved your description of summer camp because it is such a weird truth that like it's just children watching children in like a very dangerous environment. It's like why not yeah. at a lake and some rope yeah. games and yeah. rifles and yeah, bows and arrows. Bow and arrows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean I went to a camp and unless they like covered it up, I don't think we had any like child deaths, but it was only it was a Girl Scout camp. It was very low key. <laughs> I wrote down the quote from Josh. I don't know the first part. You said something. Like that. I'm not surprised that quote not more children died at camp. <laughs> Was there evidence of any children dying at your camp, or were you just surprised that like there just weren't any deaths? Well, I mean, there were always stories, you know. Mm-hmm. As with any camp or any time where uh, there's lots of children, yeah, um, like you're just gonna get urban legends. Uh, so, of course, there were stories of people dying at that camp, but who knows if they're actually true. I didn't yeah. I didn't go into a, you know, library basement to look up the microfiche, you know. You never hear about kids who are like tortured and like suffered at camp and then they just left at the end of summer. <laughs> they always have to die. I did um, was playing basketball. Uh, at at camp and I was playing defense and this guy crossed me up um, and I broke my foot. Oh. I, I, yeah, I wasn't, I mean, I, you know, and the, the old saying is goes, Oh, he broke his ankles and everyone screams. He broke his ankle. And I actually did, yeah. but I always contend that I wasn't faked out. I knew what he was doing, but my foot just get, got caught. <laughs> <laughs> I did have to leave summer camp, but yeah, for the, for the next two days where I was still actually there with a broken foot. Yeah. Uh, the, everyone who saw me was like, he broke his ankles. Oh, it's not even your ankles. That would drive me crazy. <laughs> so I guess I was tortured for those two days and just left. <laughs> and then just went home. Do you think that after you left that kids made up rumors that you had died at camp for like future yeah. years? Like, I, I never went back, so. <laughs> Cross up so bad, he died. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I would not be surprised. <laughs> God, I'm just imagining how awful it would be to be in a boat like three hours away with a bunch of kids and teenagers. As an adult, as me now, I'm just like, God, that sounds awful. <laughs> like, that is a horror movie. Trapped yeah. in a boat asking these children to row faster. <laughs> well, for, for, fortunately, there were no adults, yeah. so... <laughs> <laughs> Um, it it was seriously uh, the greatest thrill of my life, I think, uh, <laughs> thinking back to it. <laughs> well, these are awesome stories. Thank you, Josh. Hello, my name is John Koppel, and I'm back with a second season of Peaks, the podcast where we take a closer look at the most exciting peak years in the lives of the people that dominated pop culture. The guests this season are great, and the subjects controversial, hilarious, bizarre, and iconic. Get ready to learn a little bit more about Iron Mike Tyson, John Candy, Mike Myers, Leonardo DiCaprio, and more. Dive into some of the best Thanksgiving and Christmas movies ever made. Every episode will be packed with entertaining clips, interesting facts, and passionate opinions. Remember that time that Mike Tyson wanted to fight a gorilla? Remember in Wolf of Wall Street when Leo taught us the phases you go through on Quaaludes? Remember those years when John Candy became everybody's uncle? So if you want to hear more about the most groundbreaking, influential people when they were having their biggest impacts on the world, subscribe to Peaks wherever you listen to your podcasts. Do you want me to get into my story? Yeah. Okay. So today I thought I'd talk a little bit about the connection with drugs and the paranormal. Believe it or not, there have been many studies in this phenomenon, like a ton. It was really frustrating researching this because it wasn't like fun articles. It was like research studies. It was like academic. Yeah, <laughs> they were all like opening in Acrobat. And I was like, no, I don't want this. Give me the blurbs. Um, so, <laughs> someone else translate this for me. So it, it is going to be a little heady today, despite my efforts. Um, but I also, okay, we'll just go through it. I pulled some info from the article, Psychedelics and Paranormal Experience, an interview with David Luke, written by James Kent. Now, David Luke is a parapsychology researcher at the Center for Study of Anomalous Psychological Processes at the University of Northampton in, U in the UK. Uh, there, while there, he researches paranormal beliefs and experiences, particularly in the context of altered states, such as via dreams and drugs. So I thought that was interesting that like drugs, but also like different sleep patterns can also push you over the edge into like certain paranormal states. He and a collaborator, Marios Kitenis, recently published a preliminary sur survey of paranormal experiences with psychoactive drugs in the journal Psychology, which reports on the responses from a 2005 survey of psychedelic drug users conducted via maps. The interviewer's first question uh, for David is, does your study show that certain drugs cause certain paranormal phenomena due to the phenomena being linked with specific receptors in the brain? So basically, do certain drugs cause certain phenomena because of the receptors in our brain? Sure. Yeah. So I thought that was a really interesting question. It, it really gets to the specificity of like, what are drugs role 
in the paranormal events. So mm-hmm. Luke responds, it would be hard to deny that there are specific neurotransmitter pathways being activated by different drugs, but it would take further research to answer your question. This is because it's not yet known whether it is specific, the specific neurochemical action of the drug that causes these experiences or whether it's due to the states that they engender. These states may come through a great variety of means other than drugs, though it is conceivable that all altered states involve particular neurochemical changes. Um, so basically, he can't say yes. Can I say something to that? Yeah. I think one of the things that's interesting too, and I haven't looked at it much, uh, I've definitely not done deep research, but I always find it interesting when people talk about when they hook up people's uh, brains to, I guess, MRIs and they do, or yeah, MRI machines, and they see what parts of the brain are lit up through like when people pray or meditate and like, or when they have these other experiences, like there's definitely something there, but the research seems like it's still not super conclusive and, you know, it's different for different people and things like that. But I think that kind of might also tie into like some of this, right? Like yeah, certain parts yeah. of the brain are more, yeah, activated by certain things and can, yeah, tap into that. Also, I think of the movie Phenomena. With, <laughs> with I've John never seen Travolta. that. Basically, he is, um, he like starts being able to like, has some telekinesis and has some different experiences, but it's because he has brain cancer. And wow, his, like he's okay. using more than the 10 or 20% of the brain. It alters the state. Yeah. yeah. So he's like able to of, tap into like the usage pathways. of like the full potential of the brain. Yeah. Basically what this is saying too, I'll get into it more, is that like just because you did drugs doesn't mean that they'll always give the same experience to every user. So that's why it's kind of hard to say like point blank, like weed gives you ASP because, you know, the human mind is so weird. Like it's just, it, it's not frequent enough. Yeah. They don't have the frequency they need. So I'll, I'll just keep going. Um, nevertheless, these figures represent the percentage of people in the sample ever having these experiences on drugs at any time in their life. The actual frequency with which they occur is generally quite low, usually just occasionally, although a few experiences seem to occur quite often with specific substances, such as the experience of telepathy with cannabis and plant entity encounters with psilocybin containing mushrooms. Um, but there may be stronger psychological or even transpersonal explanations for such experiences. You might expect these experiences to be more reliably, reliably repeatable if the specific neurochemistry were the only cause. Setting, expectation, motivation, and maybe even some fundamentally esoteric properties of our ontology are at work. Because these experiences might actually be real in some sense. That's a lot of words to say. You can't just blame drugs working on our receptors as an explanation for things we're experiencing. Many of the research articles, because I read a bunch of them and they all had the kind of the same idea, which is that drugs don't cause the paranormal. Um, rather, they are a tool that can be used to open different neural pathways and states of mind. Yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of interesting how you can almost use it as a tool, kind of like, Josh, what you were saying with like oracles and stuff. Mm-hmm. People, when they kind of want to find a deeper paranormal experience will can pursue these outlets and see where it takes them. I think with the part that you said about the neurochemistry, like some of the factors are like expectation, motivation, those types of things. I also think one part that I think about is like physiology, right? Cause I know for, 
I don't know if it's like my brain specifically or if it's like my body that like doesn't like substances. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. It just shuts down when like if I smoke weed, like there's a very good chance that I'm just gonna go to sleep and I like it I have a weird weed hangover. I hate it. Like my body just doesn't process it well. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's fully only centered in my brain because um yeah, just because of the other like physical side effects that I get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that could be another thing too. Like some people's physiology is just better suited to like mash or not mash. Yeah. So even though you don't like weed, uh, is the conservative nightmare going to come true of now that weed's going to be legal in New Jersey, you're just going to be like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to do it every day anyway. and drive. (laughs) No, not at all. If anything, like what it makes me is it makes me less. I, I think what it could be is I do also feel additionally anxious when I'm places where I feel like I should, even though it's like, I'm a grown ass adult and it's just weed. And I live in a place where it's decriminalized. Like it's not a problem. I like still get nervous. Like I might get in trouble if I like smoke this weed. So I'm already like 10% primed to be like on edge. Like if I'm socially somewhere. Um, Right. But yeah. I think that's so many people in our generation have that in the back of their heads. Yeah. Yeah. We grew up at like with the drug war, like the war on drugs as being like such a thing when, Whenever I'm at parties, people get so upset when I don't want to smoke weed. They're always like, oh, you're no fun. And it's like, I'm kind of like you, Alyssa, where if I drink and smoke weed, I'm out. Yeah. The second my body hits a chair or a couch, I'm just (laughs) gone. Yeah. So I know I've had these experiences. I know I can't do it, but everyone's always like, oh, you're lame. I'm like, well, I'm going to be a lot lamer if you make me do this weed. You're going to have to carry me out of here. And people don't like to do that, I'm told. So (laughs) I'm like very high key uh, internally. So if anyone gives me like a physical substance to relax, like I'm going to relax all the way. (laughs) And then I'm just asleep. So yeah, yeah, we're almost through the heady stuff. And then I have a really fun part after nice, but I just thought this was really interesting. I really wanted to get into like what's happening. Um, and unfortunately there wasn't like a fun, quick way to do this. So. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to say, uh, in, in regards to the part where sleep patterns can affect your, your, how you react to the, uh, to the drug. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do have sleep apnea and I know that's considered an old person's disease, <laughs> Hell yeah. but I, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I had that since I was 18. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So yeah, maybe that had some effect to it too. Um, cool. Yeah. So, um, there's a fairly infamous experiment that tries to create these enhanced states without drugs. Current article just called, uh, Gensveld in the PSI encyclopedia. The experience does so by reducing stimulation to the brain from sight and hearing to a pleasant but minimal level, typically by immersion in a warm red light diffused by translucent hemispheres. So they split halves of ping pong balls and put them over their eyes and then put red light over it. And then they play relaxing rhythmic sounds fed through headphones. For the latter, it could be like seashore sounds or uh, white noise and pink noise works as well. After a scientist called the sender is sequestered in a separate acoustically isolated room and a visual stimulus like our print photograph or brief videotape sequence is randomly selected from a large pool of stimuli to serve as the target for the session. While the sender concentrates on the target, the receiver, who's this person that just went through the whatever, um, provides a continuous verbal report of his or her ongoing imagery and mentation, usually for about 30 minutes. 
The receiver is then presented with several stimuli, usually about four, and without knowing which stimulus was the target, is asked to rate the degree to which each matches the imagery and mentation experience during the Gensfeld period. If the receiver assigns the highest rating to the target stimulus, it is scored a hit. All this to say that arguably 33% of the time the test subjects were hitting their, their marks after going through that that altered state. Um, though many other scientists of the time contested the study and found some of their practices to be deceiving. So the Gensfield study is contested, but it's still cool to think we live in a world where we could just like exercise our brains up to having ESP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Isn't that awesome. Weird? It makes yeah. me think of your favorite show, Meg. It makes me think of Hellier, but also some of the techniques like the cutting <laughs> the ping pong balls and putting over the eyes. Like it makes me think of um, not the not the Estes method spirit boxing they did, but the other things they did in the Mothman caves. Um, there was like some of that, right? Like, can you like tap into that if you like deprive your senses and like kind of like meditate quiet your mind to like hear things when other people are asking specific questions. Also, isn't that like how immersion tanks like work? Yeah, yeah, it's similar to that. Yeah, but in like a pleasant one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in Hellier, that was when when they were listening to the spirit box, he had like a blindfold on and he was wearing headphones. Yeah. They, I know they did a couple of techniques that were based off of those things. So I think that's like super interesting. And like we definitely see how like those types of processes are still being experimented today to like tap into the paranormal. Right, right. Okay, so here's the super fun part. I went onto the Reddit drugs subreddit and asked <laughs> users. <laughs> I was like, hello, f- fellow druggies. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they were so nice. I don't even want to be mean to them. It was like, I've been on Reddit for maybe two months now trying to figure it out, and no one talks to me, but these people did. So shout out of the Reddit drugs tab. Um, they did not disappoint. I only have a few, but I was so obsessed with them. Okay, so let's get this started. Uh, Strangling Fruits experience uh, was, I was tripping on acid out in the woods with my sober friend. We, we were sat on a log in this clearing in the woods we like to chill at, just talking shit. It was somewhat windy that day, and I asked him, do you ever feel like the wind is alive? As soon as I said that, the wind blew a large branch out of the canopy, which fell right at our feet. We just looked at each other in amazement. And then he, there's our answer, he said. Synchronicity. Nice. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah. yeah. Or Did maybe he go on to um, be the lyricist writer for the movie Pocahontas? I'm just asking. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, I mean. That's our knowledge, at least. Even if I'm on drugs. I am still extremely paranoid of ticks. Oh, yeah. And would never sit on a log. (laughs) That's fair. I would, I'm not going to lie. I'm on their side. Like, I would totally believe that I I made that tree branch fall (laughs) by calling out the wind. Yeah. But my imaginary friend when I was little spoke in the wind. So I'm a weirdo. Okay, next one. Tigilly55 said, A while ago, I was tripping on shrooms with my buddies in my basement. 
So as I'm starting to peek, my stomach starts to feel a little upset. I go into my garage to grab a water bottle. When I walked in, I forgot to turn on the light, so I found myself in my pitch black garage. As I started to stare off into the black, all I could see were faces, like seriously scary, evil faces. I had myself convinced that what I was looking at was either A, the devil, or B, the spirits of those who died in my, on my land. It wasn't particularly scary because I've had other paranormal encounters. I used to live in a very old haunted house where my family all saw the same ghost, but it was more mesmerizing. Like these faces would come up and disappear as soon as they appeared with one main face just staring at me. It looked almost like a skull face or something like that, but it wasn't like a frightening experience. I was aware that I was tripping and probably just seeing things, but it was the most vivid hallucination I've had on psychedelics. Nice. So they're just in the dark seeing ghost faces. I don't know when this episode will come out in relation to Zoe's episode, but that definitely ties into what we talked about with our friend Zoe. Yeah. So definitely check that out. This one, this story appeals to you. There's like another one like that. You're going to love the last story. I have, I have like three more and then we'll be done. I'm so excited. So this, I I can't pronounce the user's name. It's spelled C-X-L-E-T-X-N-8-8. So probably something Texan maybe. So they gave us two stories. I'm only reading one of them. This involves shadow people, which is a common hallucination during the after effects of stimulants. So me and a homie did a whole bottle in like three days. And in those days and the ones following, we were constantly being tormented by those um, motherfuckers, I guess, MFs. So we both go to our separate houses and he's FaceTiming a friend of ours and he's telling her what's happening. She's not really buying it, but my homie was in full on paranoia mode as stimulants make you do. For some backstory, this friend in particular has no parents as they both have passed away for unrelated reasons. He asks out loud, are one of you my dad to the shadow people? Now, according to him, it stayed silent for a few seconds as the door of the room he was in suddenly slammed. He didn't see it as it was behind him, but our friend on FaceTime saw it and then freaked out more than than even we did. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's wild. (laughs) Do you think it was his dad or do you think it was a ghost person or her? I don't know any of the genders of these people. I'm sorry. I'm assuming all your genders. I mean, I think it doesn't matter just the fact that anything materialized, but I'm always suspect, like deeply suspect that it's who you think it is. I'm always prepared to believe it's just some kind of spirit fucking with you. Yeah, it probably wasn't. But I don't know. And then, okay. Two more. I, I, I want to say I, I'm not sure either but I do really enjoy your dry reading of these broy druggies. <laughs> you know, I read them and I, you know, I was reading it in what I assumed their voice was. So I didn't even pick up how weird it was going to be for like me and the homies and shit and stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> those MFers. Yeah. The MFers. <laughs> I love I'm these stories. I'm so excited. I'm c- called yeah, out great. i'm a huge nerd i'm so glad that you <laughs> um, like and appreciative that you got these stories from people directly from the source i think that's amazing i couldn't yeah, believe awesome. they actually responded to me i was like so excited because i well at first i just googled like drug related paranormal experiences and there was nothing so thank you reddit for helping me find a few there's way more on the link there's like 20 so we'll have to put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah, we'll throw it up so you can go go take a look and give those guys love because I'm so happy they responded. Okay, we only have two more. This one is Samoan attorney, I believe. Hell yeah. S-A-M-O-A-N-A. 
No. Yeah. Some monitoring. Yeah. So this one's kind of fun because it's one of them is silly. I've had a few experiences that could be considered paranormal. The first time I took ecstasy tablets, I popped two and had a terrible time. The day after my brain felt like mush and I was having hallucinations. I was staring at my switched off TV, looking at my own reflection, and I could see what looked like figures just passing by me. I was sitting quite far away from the TV, so my reflection was small and these ghostly figures were just floating around. Ugh. And then on a sillier note, that same day, I walked into my room with a small amount of light seeping through the side of the curtain and seen what I thought was a small bird hopping, hopping about and chirping. I fully believed this to be a bird to the point I was trying to talk to it and moving closer, closer to it, dot, dot, dot. Then I realized it was just a banana. <laughs> <laughs> The spirit of that banana was coming through hard. <laughs> yeah, the banana was like, back off. Yeah, I love those stories. I, I don't, I don't, I feel like if I did drugs, I would not be brave enough to look anywhere dark. I wouldn't be staring at my TV. I wouldn't be going into my basement in the dark. Every light in my house would be on. I think one of the challenges for me, at least, because I'm pretty light sensitive regularly, is like, if I do any drug that's going to dilate my pupils, I need to wear sunglasses indoors. <laughs> Or yeah. I can pretty much only sit in the dark. Otherwise, like the light is That's a good too point. much. Does it fuck well, with you, Josh? Well, the thing is, uh, with hallucinogens, you get more hallucinations if it's dark. Oh, mm, I didn't know that. That's know. Wow. Huh. So, you know, typically, you know, speaking to the um, Reddit users, next day hangover, I would prefer, I guess, to take it during the day, but in my house where it can be dark. Mm. But mm-hmm. obviously, it's also more fun to be able to walk around. But it just ruins your next day. Yeah. Pretty much yeah. no matter which hallucinogen, if you take it at night. That's one of the things, too. I feel like even if I take, like, even if I drink too much, my next day is just ruined. So I'm just kind of like, yeah. I don't know what I could set up for that I would want to like knock out a minimum of two days of my life. <laughs> well, that's how I feel. I drank last night, just booze. And I was so hungover this morning. I was like, I only get two days off a week. Like why? <laughs> I'm so hungover. Yeah. And <laughs> the hangover to... is worse than work. So yeah, yeah it's, and I, like, you know, like you want to do dishes and then they're, they make you want to throw up. So you're just like, I guess I'll just have dirty dishes all week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or you're just the like struggle. Uh, the challenge of all the mess that you made the night before. Because you're just like, God, drunk Alyssa was kind of a monster. Yes, in the house. Uh, like, why like, did why she think I... she could bake? At like, yeah. yeah, I was grossing everyone out because I was eating potato soup like at midnight last night, and everyone's like, Oh, you're gross. <laughs> After taking shots and stuff, they're like, Get out of here. I mean, that sounds kind of good, honestly, but I do think that soup after drinking is never like adding more liquid to your body is never the look. I literally thought I was like just kind of like patting the booze down so it wouldn't be bad. And I woke up with like the worst stomach ache I've ever had. <laughs> I like the idea so. of you being like a shot of booze, a shot of soup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is my cure all. You just do the soup in between and you won't feel a thing. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, didn't work. Um, well, just stick although, to although I will say uh, during pandemic, I've switched to an almost exclusively soup diet. <laughs> and I almost always do my cooking after midnight. So my dinner, my soup dinner usually starts at around one or one thirty in the morning. So. <laughs> I, I feel know, you. I, I know we're reading that track. Tell me some of the best soups that you've made. Um, I, I make a really good split pea. Mm. 
I, I haven't really perfected it, but um, I've been making this Laotian soup. Um, I don't know the exact Laotian name for it, um, but the restaurant across the street from me calls it King Soup. Um, Vientiane? Vientiane, yeah. Oh, I love that place. Uh, yeah, so I've been learning how to make that soup, uh, and it's really good, yeah. but I haven't quite gotten it to their to their level yet. Yeah. Been making some good chowders, seafood chowders. Nice. Yeah. I like making what I call fake pho. Fake as fuck pho. Like basically just like <laughs> all the components, but it just doesn't taste as good as when you like get it from somebody who's like making a good broth. Yeah. Um, do you ever make Thai curry corn chowder? Wow. I, yeah, I have not. It's good. fancy as heck. Yeah. You can make it vegan or not vegan. We used to make it for cafe I worked at, but basically it's just like frozen corn, coconut milk. If you like, cream you can use like heavy cream half of that that kind of stuff and like you just put like chilies and ginger and shit and then like you can like use an immersion blender i that's my next that's my next purchase nice that um Mm -hmm. you can take half of it and put it in your blender and then like the the other half super chunky and then put it back Mm -hmm. in and like put it together yeah thai curry that's what i did with the that's what i did with the potato soup i blended half of it and threw it back in that sounds so Mm -hmm. good it was really awesome yeah you could call your your fake as fuck pho. You could call it faux pho. Oh, that's faux true. Pho. Oh, I've never even thought of that. I've been literally calling it fake pho for like years. No. Literal oh, years. Yeah. I love that. Now I want you to open a store just so you can sell your faux pho. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. They, the puns around pho restaurants are un, like, unmatched. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for okay. real. I have one more story and I literally saved this for you, Alyssa. First of all, it's the craziest one. Not that these, I thank you again, everybody who submitted. If you're listening, I really appreciate it. They were also great. This one is from alien apostrophe. Yeah. Get ready. So last summer I took a pill XTC and went to my grandma's garden to smoke a blunt. It's a place which contains multiple gardens and you pay monthly rent to have your own area there. So I already came there the last two weeks on Wednesday to smoke and chill. It's quiet, it's empty, and you don't bother anyone by smoking. Uh, On both occasions, I saw a weird light in the sky that looked like a moving star, but closer. And it was able to change speed at will, stay on one point, and could even do 90 degree turns. What? On the third night there, I went with my dog. That's the night I took the pill. When I arrived at my grandma's garden, I bound my dog to a chair and sat a few meters away, face turned towards the sand path. Every garden is either left or right from this sand path. Ours is on the left side, pretty far from the entrance. So at first I chill, I get my blunt out and my fire, but it took a while before lighting it up. I look in the sky to see if I may be able to see something again. After a few minutes, I take a hit and see movement out of the corner of my eye. At the entrance of our garden is a little tree, 1.5 meters maximum, and some pitch black figure is standing behind it while its head is slightly leaned to the side to watch me on my right side. I froze in shock. A few seconds pass that feel like eternity as I see my dog moving to the other side and looking at something. Then I see it. Right on the other side, the left side, there is a figure kneeling towards me. At first, my dog is curious, like, what is this? But as soon as it moved again, my dog tried to run away in fear, but it was still bound to the chair. She sneaks to this figure again to watch. 
The person on the right side was still lurking at the tree. To, mo- to not make this too long, I was surrounded by eight uh, pitch black, really darker than dark humanoid figures. And my dog saw them too. Why Why paranormal, you ask? Maybe just a gang up, right? Well, I thought so too, until the guy from the tree, after 30 minutes of lurking, just flew in high speed at me. And at a radius of about one meter, the pitch black color vanished and disappeared. But it wasn't just gone. It stood right in front of me. But the inner filling of the thing wasn't black anymore. It was like water. When looking through it, you could see it swirling around. And because of this effect, you could clearly see where the outlines of this thing are, even though it was invisible. I was baffled. The night went on and many other stuff happened, but I guess that's enough for now. LOL. Wow. Wow. What a story, right? That is either the most amazing true story and I'm so here for this or it is a creepy pasta that I need a part two of for sure <laughs> one of those two things are true I hope they didn't creepy pasta me I got creepy pasta but <laughs> I said I wanted it to be true I'm pretty sure I'm sure it's like I'm I'm so behind it um and I'm gonna are assume it's true you think it's aliens or do you think it's more as more time goes on I don't know if you I know that I've talked your ear about this Meg but like that what if aliens are interdimensional beings and not right. in space? Mm-hmm. And so like, it could be that, or it could just be like the ability to see spirits, right? Like, aware, yeah. like or th- beings on the astral plane. Cause I'm big into the concept of the astral plane right now. And I, I do wonder if there's like something there, right? Like it like, cause the, it is weird. Like it ties into like, in the spot where you see things you can't explain in the sky and then this happens like you want to tie them together but wouldn't it be also bonkers that it was just two different paranormal things that are happening <laughs> at the same position yeah. yeah yeah or maybe the drug because i don't recognize that drug um ecstasy oh ecstasy yeah. oh my god i'm such a noob oh i'm like i was gonna say dan cut it out but my please never go listen to so i know it's gonna stay in but (laughs) i was like what is this strange pill xtc um but yeah i don't know um maybe it just made them more able to perceive the paranormal. So like maybe when you, sometimes when you do this drug and you have the right neural pathways and everything is just right, you're able to perceive UFOs better and you're able to perceive interdimensional beings. But like, does that mean they're just like fucking with us all the time? Like they're creeping around us and we just don't see them unless we're doing drugs. Whew. I mean, or maybe it's kind of like, if they notice you noticing them, then they'll fuck with you. But generally, like, you know what I mean? Like, if you see somebody on the street, maybe not me, but if I saw somebody on the street who's just, like, staring at me and, like, trying not to make eye contact, I would probably try to get away. But if I couldn't, I might get confrontational and be like, can I help you? Like, what do you need? Right, yeah. So maybe it's kind of like, once you're tapped in there, then, like, you basically they can see that you can see them and then they fuck with you. So scary. That's like Odd Thomas. Have you ever read that book? No. Mm-hmm. Odd Thomas is great. It's a, it's depressing, but it's great. It's about a guy who can see dead people, basically. Oh. But there's these like dark things that are attracted to um, like terrible events. So like he knows something bad is coming because his town just becomes overrun with them. But basically you he has to act like he can't see them because they don't want humans being able to see them. So like, if you like look at them and stuff, 
they kill you. Oh, interesting. It's really scary. Yeah. Well, the, the thing about ecstasy is I think most people don't really consider it a, a hallucinogen, but the reason that most people take it is because it kind of heightens your senses and Whoa. everything feels good. Like touching things feels really good. Like I, I remember um, uh, the first time I ever saw anyone on it, I have a really weird friend and we were going to a concert at the TLA and he just continually was licking walls and windows and like we were in a cab and he was like licking the cab and he was like, this is great. <laughs> and, oh no. Uh, so yeah, so it's interesting to think that maybe, uh, you know, MDMA having that property already of heightening your senses mm. maybe just allows you to see different planes of reality perhaps uh-huh. <gasps> because I don't Whoa. think of it of of it as ever necessarily causing hallucinations in the traditional sense yeah that's such a good point dang this anytime we do drug episodes on the show it makes me want to do drugs <laughs> like so bad but I'm I'm too scared but all of it just sounds so cool it's funny because it makes me feel the opposite way I'm just like yeah I don't need that <laughs> really Kind of. I mean, it sounds really cool, but I'm also just kind of like, I, I need to hold my own shit down. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Because one of the things that's interesting, too, is like how, um, not ecstasy specifically the drugs, but like the concept of like religious ecstasy or like people getting into these kinds of like really heightened states without like specifically the use of drugs is what is really interesting to me because it's kind of like mm. you can get to like different points uh or command over your mind or like letting go of your mind through like meditation or just other practices. And I think that's like super interesting. So I think that's where I always fall into. I'm just like, what are the ways that you might be able to get into it without like specifically using a substance to change it? But also I also the kind of person who's just like, I don't know, like before I try doing anything like specific and like before I try changing my diet, maybe I should exercise more like the action is like the thing that I find really appealing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely think of a lot of hallucinogens as kind of a shortcut mm-hmm. to the things that I hear that monks can do. Yeah. Except when we do drugs, we don't really have any control over it just because we've taken the shortcut and we didn't learn how to use it. So yeah. that's why we're always surprised at what, our, <laughs> you know, what happens to our brains when we do the drugs. Yeah. Like jumping in the uh, pool instead of like yeah. walking from the short end. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that was my story or stories. Thank you again to the every Reddit user that submitted their, (laughs) not submitted, posted their stories. I read every single one and love them. So yeah. Nice. Thanks guys. Yeah. These are great. Thank you. Let's play a game. Yeah. Fun game. All right. So today we're going to play a game that is new. We're going to see how this goes, but we came up with this game because uh, Josh, you host every Tuesday a really fun thing on Twitter called Movie Flash Mob. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, it's uh, it's open to anybody, but it, it mostly tends to be comedians with a few musicians that participate. And we pick a movie every week to live tweet at 8.30 every Tuesday in the movie hashtag as well as the movie Flash Mob. So especially if we pick particularly um, busy hashtags. Uh, it's like we're kind of flash mobbing in, in, a, in a 
hashtag that people aren't expecting to see jokes all night. So it's it's super fun and interactive and and anyone's welcome to join. Yeah, like, yeah we did it for Hell Week. We did um, Cabin in the Woods and I had a blast. It is a very fun time. It's so super fun. So in honor of you being the leader in Movie Flash Mob, getting it organized, I thought it'd be fun to write tweets for movie <laughs> that related to summer <laughs> camp because I am still obsessed with your white lady in the woods story from summer camp. And it just got me thinking about how many great summer camp movies there are. So we're each going to pick two movies and we're going to write a tweet that basically describes the movie. And then we're going to come back and we're going to share our tweet. And then the other people have to guess which movie it relates to. Okay. Cool. So, um, yeah. So let's take a, we're going to take a magical podcast moment and we'll be back in a minute to, uh, to play the game. So just to recap, now that we're all back and organized, we are going to take turns sharing the tweet that describes the movie, and then we'll give some options and we'll pick and see if we can uh, guess the movie based off of your tweets. Josh, would you like to go first as our guest? Sure. So should I, should I mention um, what, the th- what the three movies are to pick from? Yeah, so I think what they- you could do is you could... Uh, save the tweet and then say, is this movie blank, blank, or blank? Cool. Children use trapping skills to bring families together. <laughs> oh, boy. Like okay. Trapper? <laughs> is this movie Camp Nowhere, Parent Trap, or Moonrise Kingdom? Um, do you oh. want to go first, Silas, or do you want me to go? I thought it was Camp Nowhere at first. Um, I guess I'm going to go with Camp Nowhere. I know it's not Parent Trap. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, it's Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, yeah. nice. I was trying to throw you through a loop by using the word trapping. I forgot that I saw that movie. That's one of Dan's favorite movies. Aww. I totally forgot. Yeah. Cool. That was fun. Okay. Nice. Uh, who next? Yeah, you'll go next, Meg. Okay. After being tortured by counselors and made fun of by campers, this camper gets revenge in a fiery finale. Is it Friday the 13th, Sleepaway Camp, or Adam's Family Values? Oh. At first, my first thought was Carrie. But I was like, Carrie doesn't have a camp. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Oh, yeah. I get it. I get why. Yeah. Josh, what do you think it is? I think it's Adam's Family Values. I also think it's adam's family values but i also feel like get revenge in a fire at camp i think there was a scene at the end where there's a play uh about the first thanksgiving and there's a lot of fire involved <laughs> oh yeah you guys are right <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. also fester's uh wife tries to burn down the house too, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a big fire movie. Yeah, I love that values movie. Or in Adam's family. Adam's family one. values is the one where they get pushed away to camp. Fester's wife. The first one, hmm. Fester gets saved, like he yeah. disappears for a while, and then the second one, there's a wife trying to, uh, someone's like marrying him, and she's evil. Ah, uh, okay, got it. Yeah. All right. Uh, if if the movie can't hardly wait was actually funny and set at summer camp. Is this movie Sleepaway Camp? Is it Wet Hot American Summer? 
or is it Magic Camp? I think that's Wet Hot American Summer. I think it, I'm going to say Magic Camp because I'm not sure. Yeah, Magic Camp is a movie from like now that I haven't seen yet, but it is definitely Wet Hot American Summer because it all takes place on the last day of camp. Just like Can't Hardly Wait takes place on the last day of, like after graduation, it's like the party right after. Mm. Yeah. I do love Can't Hardly Hardly Wait, but it's not the funniest movie. (laughs) Josh, next movie. All right. A group of young entrepreneurs have an education-filled business retreat where they learn how to live more independent lives. <laughs> what, oh, what is the list? That we're what are the options? From? Camp Nowhere and Parent Trap. <laughs> uh, Parent Trap? <laughs> no, I think it's Camp Nowhere. Although Entrepreneur... Yeah. That's what I would think of, but God. Well, so yeah, it's it's uh, Camp Nowhere because if you recall, they don't want to go to any of the summer camps that their parents are planning to send them to. So they invent a bunch of summer camps and convince their parents to send them to the to these fake summer camps. And they like print really realistic looking brochures, mm-hmm. and every kid in school wants to go to this summer camp. And then in the end, they have a big parents' day where they have to actually build these summer camps. Oh no! So that the parents don't get fooled and don't realize that they were tricked the whole time. <laughs> you know what's funny? Okay, so I loved that movie growing up because Christopher Lloyd was in it. Andrew Keegan was like in it. It actually just sounds like the premise for the actual Hampshire College. <laughs> that it does. <laughs> Burn on Hampshire. Okay. <laughs> Meg, go ahead. <laughs> okay. A spirited mom gives retribution to careless teenagers that had more than enough warnings about attending this camp. Is it Parent Trap? Is it Friday the 13th? Or is it uh, Dirty Dancing? Spirited mom? Yep. I'm going to guess Dirty Dancing. You would have had to see the movie to get... I'm spoiling I feel like it's Friday the 13th. It is. Friday. Josh, do you want to tell? No, I'm just kidding. It's it is Friday the 13th. I spoiled the ending for you. I hope you've all seen it because if you haven't, I spoiled it. I mean, there's like 13 other movies. <laughs> yeah, you, we don't have to spoil the plotline. Yeah, I'll just like real quick. It's just that um, he drowns because counselors were like having sex instead of watching him. So she murders. She goes on like a murdering yeah. rampage. I forgot yeah. that that's what actually happened. I'm so long yeah. seen that movie. It's been a, a long time. Yeah. It's also a 40 year old movie. So if anybody has these spoiled for them, that's on them. Yeah. Yeah. But still, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. Nice. This is the last one. It's like a place where awful parents send their kids. Wait, let, me, let me describe this. <laughs> it's like when awful parents send their kids to weight loss camp, but instead, this camp is gay as hell. Oh, wow. Is it dirty dancing? But I'm a cheerleader or magic camp. <laughs> I made mean, this intentionally hard. Do you want to guess first, Josh? I, yeah, I don't know any of these movies. Uh, I guess I'm going to say, but I'm a cheerleader. I also want to say that. It just sounds like it sounds more like, but I'm a cheerleader, you know? 
So yeah. It is. Yeah. But one of the cheerleaders where Natasha Leone it plays a, a character who's like a cheerleader. She has this boyfriend and her parents think that she's gay and they send her to gay conversion camp. Oh yeah. yeah, this movie's great. But it's from like the nineties. It's like a it's a great it's a movie. It's like yeah, it's very like from the Hell time yeah. it's just like this moment. Like I saw it when I was like in my teens or early twenties, and it was just like such a good movie. So yeah, I need to go back and watch that. It's so fun. Natasha Leon is so funny. Clea Duvall, who I love, is in that movie. Um, the guy who played Rufio from the movie Hook is very handsome oh. in it. So it's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, Josh, I recommend it. It's really fun. All right. It's very campy. She's she's the uh, woman that was in Beverly Hills, Slums of Beverly Hills. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that movie. Yeah, she's great. Um, Well, nice. This was excellent. Uh, Yeah. Thank you for experimenting with a new game we wanted to play in honor of you being our guest. Josh, where can people find you on the internet? So I've been... uh, spending most of my um, pandemic really bolstering my YouTube channel. Nice. I have two new web series up. Uh, one of them Meg helped write. Yeah, uh, it's so fun. Josh Matchstick, the tiny cruise ship comedian. <laughs> uh, it's about a, um, a cruise ship comedian that was shrunk in an accident, but continues his life as a cruise ship comedian. <laughs> and I have another one called Josh Matches Destroys Cat Heckler. About me, <laughs> I love about, that too. about me trying to uh, do Zoom shows at home, and my cat just keeps talking to me, and then I talk to her as though she's a drunk club patron. <laughs> nice. What uh, what's your YouTube handle so people can find you? Um, just uh, Josh Matches, M A C H I Z. Nice, nice, nice. And they can follow you on Twitter for movie flash mob. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm on Twitter um, and Instagram as at play with underscore M A C H I Z uh, at play with matches. Movie Flash Mob has its own uh, Twitter handle uh, at Movie Flash Mob, where you can see every Tuesday what movie we're live tweeting, so anyone can come and participate. Eight thirty Eastern Time. <laughs> Meg, where can people find you? Yep, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Both handles are at Meg Gets Money. Get spelled G O E T Z. Nice. And you can find me at Alyssa Trez on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can follow my lizards and houseplants at Variegated Reticulated on Instagram. And I am guest moderating again on Marveling at Marvel's Marvels podcast. So um, that episode will be coming up soon. We're talking about the character Angel. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, Our friends over there. It's a really fun episode. And then, you, uh, yeah. So just make sure you're following Real Chills on all of the things, especially Instagram. We do fun posts. And we'll see you next time. Thanks so much, Josh. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Visit our website at realchillspodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at realchillspodcast. Do you know someone who should be on Real Chills? Is that person you? Go to realchillspodcast.com slash submit and tell us more. Special thanks to Valerie Jamea-Rubin-Shane. Artwork by Libby Rindell. Music by Sam Williamson. Real Chills Podcast is produced by Meg Getz and Alyssa Truskowski. This has been a presentation of the Wasted Robot Network. 
For more information on this and other podcasts, visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Wasted Robot Records.